Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. Well, after a much-needed, refreshing summer break, we could not be more thrilled to be back with you guys today for season three. It's season three. It's season three, yay! And we literally (laughs) live in a completely different state. We do. We are coming (laughs) to you from a completely different state over the refreshing summer break. Oh man, refreshing. (laughs) Moving is a refresher. We also moved (laughs) states away, so we are no longer in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Which was awesome. Thank you, Dallas. We love you. We love Dallas. We are Texans forever, but we are also now mm. Tennesseans. Yeah, we, we do. moved to the Nashville area out south of Nashville in a place called Franklin. A quaint, beautiful a town. A lovely little Franklin, town. Tennessee. Called Franklin. Love it so much. In the rolling hills and the beautiful trees. We are loving it. Yeah. Kids are loving it. And you know what? We hope your summer was amazing, but we are so excited to be back with you guys. So wherever this finds you, driving to work, Dropping your kids off at school. Yay, school started. (laughs) Working out at the gym, trying to get that last bit of summer bod. We are so (laughs) glad that you are here with us. And we pray that this conversation will be a blessing to you because it sure was a blessing to us. Yeah, we have so many incredible episodes coming up for you guys this Mm -hmm. season. Really incredible. And we are kicking it off strong today with author, speaker, and filmmaker. Our very first filmmaker filmmaker on the podcast. Stephen Kendrick of the Kendrick Brothers, and he's here to talk about the issue of identity, which is the theme of their newest movie hitting theaters this This week week called Overcomer. And y'all, I love all their movies. Yes. I loved Fireproof. (laughs) I loved Courageous. I loved War Room. And I I loved this movie. This was my favorite. For sure. They just keep getting better and better. Y'all are going to love this movie. Yeah, and it even inspired our daughter to join Cross Country. She sure did, but, yep. But you're going to have to watch the movie to know what that means. Absolutely. So, in our time together, Stephen shares the story behind the film and how God led him and his brother Alex into filmmaking, really in the first place. The power of prayer behind everything they do and all about this movie's theme of finding your identity in Christ. We cover so much ground. It's such a fun conversation. Guys, I hope you're ready. Here is Stephen. All right. Well, Stephen, welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here. Thanks again for coming. And we're excited to talk about this brand new project, this brand new movie that you've created called Overcomer. But again, man, thanks so much for being here. Oh, honored to be a part of it. Appreciate you guys. All right, now before we dive into this brand new film, I, I got to know, you know, we came from the church world, the ministry, and now we're doing this entrepreneurial podcasting thing, but yep. um, you were on staff at a church, and then one day you just wanted to become a filmmaker. How in the world does, <laughs> does all that come together? Well, we grew up in a home with praying parents who dedicated us to the Lord, and we were making home movies growing up, and then falling in love with the Lord in our teenage years, and so... Filmmaking and the passion for that has always been a part of what we were doing. We were doing videos in classes instead of writing papers for our professors <laughs> in seminary. Instead of writing a big, long paper, we shot a documentary on the apocalyptic writings of Scripture. You know, And then later on, fast forward to we're on staff at a church in Albany, Georgia in 2002. My brother Alex had always had a passion for wanting to make films one day. And he approached our pastor and said, could we make a feature film? 
for our local community as an outreach to our local community. And uh, it was interesting that the pastoral leadership said, we can use this to promote our Easter service, you know. Totally. (laughs) And so Alex and I were thinking, no, this could go international and take the gospel to the nations, you know. So, But anyway, they gave us the green light. We're supporting us. We shot this movie Flywheel for $20,000 with a Canon XL1 camera, which is 480p resolution, which is pretty rough. But it was for our community, and everything dysfunctional and adequate about that movie was because of us. But we prayed through it every step of the way, and we started seeing people get saved, lives being changed, businesses dedicated to the Lord, people saying, this has revolutionized my family. And it's really just a message about lordship. It's a parable of of the before and after of Christ and how he can completely transform every area of your life. And so— uh, we grew up watching the Billy Graham movies where you watch a guy live like the devil, and then right before the credits roll, he's at a Billy Graham crusade, and he walks down the aisle, and then the credits roll, you know? And so, which, thank God for their ministry and all that they've done, but we wanted to show, and most of our movies really follow this, halfway through the movie, there's the surrender moment, there's the discovery of God's truth moment, and you see the before and the after. And so by the end of the movie, you've seen this person hopefully go from a position where they're further away from God than you are. And at the end of the movie, you've been challenged by their their faith or their surrender to the Lord. And then it's inspired you to surrender your life more fully to Christ as well. So that's awesome. I love that. And that's something I was telling Chris before we got on that I love about you guys. Everything I've ever seen. That's like um, just showing behind the scenes. You guys pray over everything. You're always praying. You're covering this thing in prayer. You're seeking the Lord for every single actor that's involved, every part of the script. Talk about that process and how that's such a big part of what you do. Sure. Well, we grew up watching some amazing answers to prayer in our parents' lives and uh, watching them pray for money that they didn't have and the doorbell ringing and somebody walking in with a check for the exact amount they prayed for. I mean, that happened repeatedly. We have a praying mom who gets up early every morning and prays for her three sons and 19 grandchildren by name and daughters-in-law still, even now. Uh, But being on staff at a church that is committed to prayer with a pastor who's committed to prayer, Sherwood in Albany, Georgia, is the most praying church I've ever been a part of. They've patterned some of the aspects of it after Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, in New York and uh, just watching God show up. Uh, It's interesting. The Apostle Paul said, I don't want your faith to be in the wisdom of men that they can talk you into something. I want it to be in the power of God. And so we can argue with people about different things. But when they see answered prayer, I mean, that differentiates. That's what Elijah used to differentiate a living God from a dead God. (laughs) He answers prayer. So. We've seen in our own lives that our script writing is way better when we pray first, and our meetings go better when we pray first, and solving problems go way better and faster when we pray first. And uh, just inviting God into your world, into your context, into whatever you're going through, it gets really exciting when you realize the Lord is infinitely more wise than you are. He lovingly cares about what you're going through. He has endless resources to step into the situation. And the whole message of scripture is human inadequacy and God's sufficiency. And so for us, we're like, well, hey, this is really working. When we pray, God blesses. So let's pray about everything. 
and right. let's ramp up the prayer teams on set. Let's pray and dedicate every day to the Lord. Let's stop and pause our productions when a crisis hits and let's pray. And I'll tell you what, it is a blast. It is so much fun. Uh, scripture says, Jesus says that when, when God answers our prayer, not only does he want to answer our prayer, but when he does, two amazing things happen. First, God is glorified through Christ in our relationship with him. Secondly, it says our joy is made full. It's just bubbling over. We're like, wow, look at, look, look at what just happened. These five loaves and fish just fed five you know? And we've seen that happen on our movie sets when the rain stopped at the street when we were praying and moved around us. When the forklift showed up on Fireproof and moved and helped us move the, uh, the car off the train tracks. Or even with this film, the fourth floor of St. Francis Hospital in Columbus, Georgia, became this divine appointment pivot moment uh, in prayer as God led two different people at the same time to go up to the hospital and meet us on the fourth floor. And it turned into this moment where we ended up connected to 80 plus churches in Columbus. All these things fell into place because of that divine appointment outside an elevator on the fourth floor. And we were praying going up to the hospital and God prompts two other people to show up to meet us there at that time. And everything falls into place. And we've just been able to say, to God be the glory. I mean, this is amazing. You know? So we tell people our movies are really a string of one answer prayer after another. And anything you don't like about our films, it's our fault. You know? <laughs> uh, but anything you do like about it, it's because God has shown up and blessed uh, our loaves and fish and and so when we hear about changed lives around the world and the gospel going to 76 countries around the world, we just sit back and we're in awe of the Lord. So that's the way we live. And that's the way we want to keep living. That is so great. I love it. Well, I have to say, I've seen all the movies and this one is my very favorite. I just loved it. Yes. My daughter and I just bawled our way through the whole thing in a good in way. In the best way possible. In a good way. Yeah. yeah. It was so moving, so powerful. So tell us about this Overcomer movie. Sure. Overcomer's our sixth film. If you liked War Room, Fireproof, Courageous, hopefully the audiences will love this one like you. Yeah. Uh, that really encourages me to hear that because we keep trying to improve and we're hoping <laughs> that people will say, I like this one more, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it is about a the least likely coach helping the least likely runner take on the biggest race of the year. Uh, so it's a sports inspirational film for all ages. If you're a child, you can watch it. It's clean for families to be able to see. My brother is walking in the door with Jimmy John's, right? <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Alex. Yeah. What's That's up? It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sponsored so, ad, Jimmy yeah. John's. <laughs> so we'll have to cut this interview really short. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, people will watch this film. They'll love the sports, the drama. I love the last 20 minutes of the movie because it takes off like a rocket at the state championship race. And what happens in that whole journey with Hannah is fun and it's exciting. But the message of identity, the gospel is presented clearly by Priscilla Shire in the middle of this film, so it can be used as an outreach. But the message of identity is a universal message that 100% of people need to discover, learn, hear about what God's word says about who we are apart from Christ and then in Christ. And so we're excited about communicating that message. Yeah, I thought the identity theme throughout was just so clear and so powerful. And I guess my question for you is, where did this theme come from? I know you say you pray through it. Was it a personal kind of journey that you and your brother took? Where, where did that come from? From his perspective, Alex is the master storyteller on the script side. 
and I just come alongside and hold his arms up and help him. But he had coached all six of his children to state championship wins in cross country. So he's on the course challenging them, encouraging them, and these movie scene ideas are popping in his head. At the same time, the Lord led my wife and I to adopt a baby girl from China, and uh, we watched this identity change, radical identity change happen in her life where she was an unwanted burden to a welcome, loved blessing. Her name changes. She goes from abandoned to chosen and adopted and loved and going from hopeless future to a bright and hopeful future in a Christian home, hearing the gospel. And suddenly Ephesians 1 and 2, which was this abstract, hazy, deep kind of theology, the light bulbs turn on for me, and I realize these chapters are about identity. And it's about not in Kendrick, what Mia went through, but in Christ, what every believer goes through when they believe in him. God says, you don't understand this, but your identity has completely changed. You are now my adopted beloved child and you didn't earn it, deserve it. You don't even fully comprehend it, but, um, and you are forgiven of all of your sins in Christ and you are chosen and sealed by the Holy Spirit. You have the power of God's spirit in your heart. You have hope of heaven, resources that your father can provide, and you are now his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And Paul is praying in Ephesians 1 and 3 that God will help believers discover what is already true of them in Christ because believers don't know it. You know, it's just like Mia crying and screaming on the airplane coming back home because she didn't know who these people are, that they're two parents who love her, and she doesn't know that there's a trampoline and a warm bed and siblings waiting for her back in America, and she doesn't know she's about to be an American citizen and in a Christian home. She doesn't know all that. So she's panicking and freaking out and crying and screaming on the airplane because she doesn't know who she is. And in our situation as believers, a lot of times we act like we're not beloved. And we act like our identity needs to be wrapped up in our performance or our income or what other people say about us online. And none of that stuff is stable. It's all fluctuating and can be taken away. Like Job, everything could be taken away from us concerning our identity on earth. And we have to come back to what does God say is true about us for all eternity? Because if we can lock into that, we can be strong in the Lord in any circumstance if we're operating from within our identity in Christ. And I'm only kind of excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I love, like you said, one of the questions that you're presented with as a viewer is, what have I allowed to define me? Or what have I given my heart to? Where's my identity? Um, and I love the transformation that begins to take place in Coach John as he lets go of who he thought he was and what defined him. And he begins to discover who he really is. So talk about that transformation that takes place in him. Well, in John's journey as the coach, his identity is wrapped up in winning the state championship in basketball. In his whole world, like many men, they say, who are you? And it's, well, I'm a, I'm a blogger, and I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a minister, and I'm a, you know, we yeah. give these titles about our positions. And because we're pouring so much time and energy into that, mm -hmm. our heart shifts towards that. Our whole world begins to revolve around that. And uh, our joy in the moment is connected to how that's going or what that's doing. And so uh, you see John, though, he loses his team. And uh, the major man major manufacturing plant in town shuts down. He loses his team basketball, and he's reeling over this because this is his hope and his passion. 
And then he's being given this new job that he doesn't want. He doesn't want to coach cross country. He thinks it's dumb and not a real sport. And uh, and then only one runner goes out for his team, and she's got asthma. He's like, this is this is really lame, you know. <laughs> but anyway, you see him through his interaction with Thomas, this man he meets in the hospital, who's in a hospital bed, who has had everything basically stripped away from him too. But he's found his identity in Christ, and he's just drilling John, you know, with who are you, and is that the most important part of your life, and what if this is all taken away, and. What if you let your creator define you since he made you? And, you know, and so John is a believer, but his identity is out of order, you know? And so you see him go on this journey of putting Christ first and beginning to anchor his identity in Christ. In Hannah's journey, as you know, she, uh, she's living with her grandparents, you know, her, her, her grandmother, her mom's, her grandmother's telling her, your parents are dead. And she's like, I don't know who I am, why I'm here. And even the coach asks her, who are you? And she's like, I don't know. She is so gra- trying to grab onto things to try to find meaning and value in life. And she's had so many things taken away. She starts stealing. And that's part of what we've found. Research shows that some people in identity crisis will start doing. And then she goes on a journey of not only coming to know the Lord, but then discovering who she is in Christ. And I love the scene in a drama room when, when she goes in, she says, now ask me who I am. Yes, that was such an incredible moment. Loved it. You know, the thing for me is I'm trying to think about like when I walk out of a movie or anybody walks out of a movie, the person they're with, they look usually look over and say, hey, what'd you think? Yeah. But for this movie, I'm imagining that people are probably going to be in deep reflection. Yep. And the question that I have for you is what is the hope that you have for people when they walk out of this movie theater? What do you want them thinking and what do you want them feeling? Um. For big picture, for all of our films, we are praying that the Holy Spirit will tailor this movie specifically for the hearts of each person, because God knows where everybody is on their spiritual journey and what needs to happen next in their lives. And we've seen that happen. We've seen people watching Facing the Giants and a guy saying, pornography is my giant, you know, and we're like, well, this movie's not about pornography, but if the Lord says that to you, praise God, you know? Uh, And so... For us, we want people to hear from the Lord if they don't know Christ to hear the gospel and give their lives to him. If they do know the Lord to discover their identity in Christ and seek that, pursue what God's word says about that. Read Ephesians 1 and 2 for themselves and uh, and pray those prayers that God will show them who they are, how loved, how loving he is and how loved we are in Christ. Uh, because it's interesting that Ephesians, when we get that right in the first three chapters and we discover who we are, the last three chapters then now make sense. It's like now that you've been forgiven, chapter one, now you can forgive, chapter four. Now that you're loved unconditionally, now chapter five, as God's beloved child, you can walk in love towards other people. Being strong in the Lord during spiritual attack and battle that we're all dealing with. Marriage in Ephesians 5, which is, I think, the best chapter in the whole Bible dealing with marriage and the DNA of marriage, but that it is coming out of a man realizing how loved he is by God. And then it says, now you love your wife the same way that Christ has loved you. And so we hope this will go to the core heart foundational issue of people dealing with who they are and who they are in their relationship with God. And we'll start working on that, knowing that it should bless every other area of their lives because addictions can get conquered when identity issues get right. Uh, depression gets dealt with when identity issues get right. 
and family relationships get way better when identity issues get right. Amen. That's awesome. Love it. All right. Such good stuff. All right. Well, we're going to jump into the portion of our show where we do a lightning round. Are you ready? Yes. Bring it. All right. Here we go. Here's the three (laughs) questions. What is a book that's changed your life? What is a habit that has changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? What's a book that has changed my life? Uh, Ephesians. (laughs) (laughs) Recently, Ephesians has completely changed my life. If I can pull that out. I just keep reading it over and over again. Uh, I just had a divine appointment on an airplane with a lady lost, doesn't know the Lord, and uh, her daughter's in depression crisis in the hospital, and her daughter's having identity issues, and I introduced her to the book of Ephesians, and on the airplane, she's weeping, Uh, and it was just this cool divine appointment moment where I'm able to backdoor, and I said, God wants a relationship with you, and anyway, so that was cool. So Uh, cool. So a book that changed your life, and what was the second one? Uh, a habit that's changed your life. A habit that's changed my life. Um, doing devotions with my kids at night. We did, last night, you know, calling my kids around and and saying, "All right, let's let's find out what's going on right now." Sometimes I will say, "What what are we dealing with right now?" And what does God's word say about that? Because it's fresh on our minds. Sometimes I'll just be working through a book, a chapter at a time, and we'll say, "Well, let's pray." And ask God to teach us something, and then we're reading it, discussing it out loud with my kids. And so we've had some people that we love recently who have uh, kind of fallen off the, the wagon in their moral life, in their marriages and whatever. And, and these are people that were standing up before saying, I want to follow Christ. you know. And so I was talking with my kids last night on what does Scripture say about this? Because James 5 talks about helping restore people that fall off the wagon Galatians 6 does that. Matthew 18 does that. I mean, how many times do you see people that are in church that I love Jesus and I want to follow the Lord and they're just like gung-ho full on. And then whatever happens, crisis in their life or sin in their life or just laziness in their spiritual life. And before you know it, it's like you never hear from them and you hear that their lives are falling apart and, you know, the rails are coming off. And how do we respond in, in that situation? So, Habit of family devotions, whoever you are, I would highly recommend. You don't have to have seminary training. You don't have to uh, do any preparation, really. You just open up your Bible and pray for God to speak and read some scriptures and begin a discussion. And and it's always good, like 100% of the time, even with some of the kids falling asleep on the couch. You know? <laughs> but it's always good. And we walk away going, man. Thank, thank you, Lord, you know, for what you did there. Okay, so the third one, go, go ahead. The third question is, what advice would you give to the younger you? The younger me? Yeah, the younger you. Uh, discover your identity in Christ sooner. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I would say intimacy with the Lord on a daily basis is the secret to happiness. Love and joy and peace comes from the Holy Spirit, not from... I mean, temporary joy can come from circumstances, but it, it's totally vain and empty in the long run. Uh, intimacy with the Lord. If Before, I kind of had this mentality of if I want to have fun, I got to leave Jesus out of that. And if I want to be spiritual, then I can go to church and pray and read my Bible and obey and whatever. But God is the king of fun. I mean, Scripture says at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. In his presence is fullness of joy. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
First um, Timothy 6 says, God gives us everything good in life richly to enjoy them. And so God is not up in heaven trying to steal all our fun away and for us to live boring, empty lives. Hanging out with Jesus was the best thing in the world for the disciples. They're like, this, our minds, our lives are blown away at the awesomeness of who he is. And uh, so invite Jesus into the fun of your life. Don't think that you have to sin to have fun or that the world has the corner on fun. No, the world's fun is usually empty. And when I walk out of the world's movies a lot of time, I feel sad and drained and empty thinking, I want my two hours and my 20 bucks back, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I I am having much more fun keeping Christ in the center of my recreation of my, I mean, the godliest people I know are also some of the funniest people I know. I mean, lots of laughter that happens in a, in a Christian environment with godly fellowship. So I would, I would communicate to myself that one big epic truth is one thing is invite Jesus into the middle of your fun. Cause I, I was very committed to fun growing up. (laughs) But I thought that, you know, I had to pursue the world for that. And you absolutely do. Heaven is heavenly and it doesn't have sin there. The greatest place of ultimate fullness, joy, love and peace in the universe is in God's presence in heaven. And we need to move our lives towards what is heavenly. And uh, and we get the benefits of that. So that's awesome. Thank you. Well, Stephen, thank you for the impact that you have made, that your brother has made, and everyone who has been a part of these projects. And guys, Overcomer opens in theaters this week. And I'm telling you, it's going to leave you filled with hope, inspired to dream, and dared to reevaluate who you think you are. Stephen, thank you for who you are. And thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you. you, you people can go to overcomermovie.com. They can watch trailers and they can see where it's playing in their local theater and they can actually bring it to their city too if it's not already playing there. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Thanks for helping us spread the word and it was great talking to you. All right, guys, thank you again so much for listening. We hope this episode blessed you and we would actually love to hear from you. Please take a minute and leave us a review on iTunes. Hit us up on our website, letsliveitwell.com and we would love to meet you and get to know you on social media. Also, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the books and links mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. And that's a wrap for the first episode of season three. We are so glad to be back with you. Thank you for being here with us every week. Uh, We love you guys. We're praying for you. And remember, you only get one life. Live Live it well. well.